Welcome to Grace of Y'all Stand. Let's, let's sing together. Um, this song's called Trading My Sorrows, and uh, it's just our joy as Christians to, even though we go through hard times, to be able to trade those hard times for the joy of God. But a lot of times it's a conscious effort to say, I trust you, God, even in this time. Um, so let's just do that together and sing these, these words to the church.
morning. As we uh, prepare to enter a time of meditation and uh, time of prayer, you would bow your heads as I read from the 84th Psalm to remind us uh, what God does for us in those hard times. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of strife, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. And they go from strength to strength, till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Father God, we thank you and we praise you that when we dwell in your house, you welcome us in, that that place in your house is forever. We thank you for securing that place in your house through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for being there as we do pass through valleys of strife and stress and times of heartache. Lord, let us focus on those words that we pass through those valleys. We don't say them. And that when we go through them, we are stronger, as it says, go from strength. Bless the rest of our worship time this morning. Bless our message, Pastor Dave. Pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. <coughs> Where we first met Joy. 
Well, we're right now in the middle of a little three-week series. For those of you that are new, we have a lot of new people that come at this time of year as people are moving into town, as people are going back to school. And in the series, we're reviewing our vision statement, kind of our big vision, how we think God has given us, or this is kind of our purpose as a church, is that we exist to glorify God by multiplying followers of Christ among every people group. So our job is to glorify God, and it basically means to honor Him, to give glory to God, to show Him as God, to show how great He really is, um, and to multiply followers of Christ. That means to share with others who Christ is and how great He is, and invite other people into following Him. And the way that we do this is, is really a three-step process. We looked last week at trusting in God's grace. You have to first see that God is gracious. You have to be able to trust Him for yourself, and understand that He's good, and that He's gracious, and that He loves you. Now, that's an ongoing process. It's not like you put that then behind you and move on to bigger and better things. That's a, that's a lifelong process. It's just the first step. second step is to submit to His Bible. And as I'll argue today, the only way you can really do that properly is if you understand the first step. If you understand that God is gracious, then it can be a joy to submit to His Bible, to His Word, what He has to say. He's given us instructions. He's told us who He is. He's, he's told us how to live. And, and if we know that he's gracious, if we know that he's good, then we can do that in a good way. I don't know if y'all are like me, and then just go back to this. Next week we'll do Be His Church, and our sister pastor Stephen Watson will lead us through that. How to, how to be community, how to be a church on mission, how to, how to be what God designed the church to be. So we'll look at that next week. Here we go. Uh, but today we're looking at submitting to the Bible. And as I thought about this word submit, uh, if you're like me, that's a hard word. I don't know if that's a hard word for you, uh, but I was trained as an athlete here in Texas where football is kind of a cult. I don't know if you're from somewhere else, uh, but football is a little bit of a cult here. So I was trained to just, just fight with, with every ounce of my skinny little body and to never give up. Okay, that, That's how I was trained as a boy, giving up. Never submit, never give up. Always keep fighting. And so submit is kind of a hard word, right? It, it has a sense sometimes, if you were trained like I was, it it almost like you're giving up, or that there's, there's something wrong there. Um, I want to encourage you that there's a different way that we can look at submission when it comes to God's Word. Uh, there's a theological term called the third use of the law. There's this old guy during the Reformation named John Calvin. And uh, he had a lot of smart things to say. A lot of people don't like John. Uh, but he had some interesting things to say. And one of them was that there are three uses of the law. The first use, use is just the basic, like, keep society from disintegrating, right? You kind of understand that basic use of law, right? The second use we talk about a lot here is that it shows us that we're not perfect. It's like a mirror, right? It shows us that we can't keep the law perfectly. And it drives us to Jesus. That shows us that we need Christ. If you think you're perfect, if you think you're good, you don't really know God's law. You don't understand how deep it goes. So I'd encourage you to study God's law and understand that you are broken too. That we're all broken. None of us can keep it, and we need Christ. We need His grace. That first step in the mission of this church, trusting in God's grace. And then the third use is then, if you really understand that He's good, then His His law, His word, His instructions can can be good to us. We can see it and say, "Wow, this is this is good for me. I actually love it. I actually delight in it." And that's the weird attitude that we see in Psalm 18. It is foreign to us because most of us are rebels. We either hate God's law. Or we see it as something that, that breaks us, and then we have to submit. Um, you know, we have kind of, kind of a negative view towards it. But if you're a son, if you're a daughter of the king, then his instructions are, are probably for your benefit. If he really loves you, 
If he really has your best in mind, and you can begin to see this, this is good. This is how God has wired the universe. He's instructing me. He's showing me how to live. And there's a good side of it. Again, you can't divorce that. You can't tear that apart from an understanding of God's gracious. Because if you separate that out, then you have what we call legalism or or where, you know, where people begin to think that they're doing it on their own, they begin to be judgmental, they begin to be harsh about God's law, about God's instructions, to think that they can you know, fulfill those instructions perfectly and other people can't. So you've got, you've got to keep those two things wed together. That God is gracious and we should submit to what he tells us to do. So if you will read with me, we're going to read here from Psalm 119. Again, it's on page 515 in the Black Bibles, uh, verse 129. This psalm is arranged as an acrostic, which means it's got different letters to start each each section. And they are uh, basically the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So this one starts with a K. I don't know if you know that letter. Uh, but a K, that's the letter that starts off the word wonderful. And it says this in verse 129. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant. Because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise, and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears, because people do not keep your law. Let me pray and ask God to teach us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given us instruction. Thank you that you love us. But you proved that to us in the gospel. You gave yourself for us. You lived the perfect life in our place. You died an innocent death in our place. You took our sin. You've given us your righteousness. Father, help us to, to live as those who are truly loved, and to trust you, and to submit to your instructions for our life. Pray that your spirit would, would apply your word to our hearts and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said earlier, uh, when I was a kid, I, I played football, and often in the offseason we would wrestle a lot. Um, but this was the old fashioned kind of wrestling. For those of you that are my age or older, you may be familiar with this form. Uh, it's where you just kind of pin someone's shoulders down for three seconds. Anybody ever heard of that kind of wrestling? Because today there's like this whole different thing going on on TV. You get mixed martial arts and the ultimate fighting. And it's all about breaking noses and breaking people's arms off and stuff, right? But, but back then it was a different kind of sport. You know, you just tried to pin someone down on the ground. You count for three seconds. It was, it was all over. And so that's, that's what I was used to. I, I'd never done the, the tap out stuff. I'd never done any kind of submission form of, of grappling or anything. I didn't understand the communication that goes on in those forms of uh, wrestling or fighting. Uh, all I knew was the old-fashioned just pin them down on the ground. So fast forward uh, to just a few years ago, uh, about three years ago, a high school kid snuck up from behind me and uh, put me in a chokehold. And, and I don't understand. There's just a little, I guess there's just a tap out, right? You tap them or you say, I give up or whatever, whatever it is. There's some way to communicate. All I know is he's trying to kill me, right? <laughs> I mean, he is, he is choking me. I literally cannot breathe. Now, I must live a very uh, sheltered life because I've never had anyone try to choke me and kill me before. <laughs> never happened. And I've been in a couple of fist fights and wrestled a lot and all that, but, but never had anyone sneak up from behind me and try to choke me and kill me. And, and so I was caught a little off guard. 
um, I had enough presence of mind to know, okay, wait, this is a high school kid at my church, so I can't, like, gouge his eyes out or try to kill him. But somehow I've got to survive this. You know, and I was stuck because I didn't know how to, how to get, you know, all I was doing was this. I couldn't breathe. And I'm, I'm, when I'm turning purple, blue, whatever color you turn when, when you don't breathe anymore. And, uh, and it's not looking good. And, and I, didn't, I didn't know how to get out of that situation. I didn't know how to communicate a submission or whatever, you know, whatever that normal kind of way of getting out of a hole like that would be. And I think for a lot of us, that may be how you look at submission to God's word. You may see God as, as like he's trying to rip your head off, right? And then you, you don't really see him as gracious. You don't see him as having your best interest in mind. And so you think submit to his word. Oh, you know, you're just like, oh, this is going to kill me, right? And you don't, you don't want to go through that process. You see it as negative. You know, you see it in those kind of fighting, choking, squeezing the life out of you. Terms. And, and that, that's the first thing I thought of. I thought of submission, fighting, wrestling, and stuff, and I thought of this, this word. But there's, a, there's another way I think it might be better for us to see it, a way that agrees more with the song. And, and that's a picture of my puppies. Any of you have puppies? Anyone have puppies? You know, my puppies, when I walk outside, even if I just walk by the glass door, they just immediately, like, roll over on the rack, right? And, and they go into the submission, and it's, it's just they see me as... As their greatest source of happiness and joy. They just roll on their back, they wiggle all around, they want me to pet their belly, you know, and come make them happy and take care of them, love on them. And I think that's the other way to see submission, right? There's two kinds of submission. There's, there's someone trying to rip your head off, and then there's someone to roll over on my back and enjoy this goodness. And that's really the attitude that the psalmist has. The, the, the writer of the psalm here has this attitude that God's word is actually good to us, and, and we want to submit to it and enjoy it. It, it is something delightful. It is something wonderful. And, and that's what I hope to communicate to us this morning, is, is that we should, we should submit to God's word, not as if he's trying to kill us, but as if he has our best interest in mind. We should, we should believe and think that God is good, that he, that he loves us, he's gracious. So the first thing we see... As we look at this idea that we should submit our heart. First you have to submit your heart to him. And then the rest follows after that. We looked at uh, Proverbs 14 a few weeks ago. And guard your heart to the wellspring of life. Well, out of your heart attitudes uh, flows everything else that you in life, right? If you see the world as, as basically unfair and God's trying to get you, then you're going to operate that way. But if you see the world as a place where, yeah, it's broken, there's sin, there's heartache, but, but God is good and He loves you. Then, then you're going to operate differently in this broken world. We have to submit our hearts and trust that God loves us. And I think this is the hardest one. Like this is the breakthrough spot. This is again where we join the different pieces of that mission statement that you have to trust God's grace and submit yourself to His instructions in your life. If you don't trust God's grace, you don't see Him as good, then you can't submit your heart. You can't give your heart away to Him. And we see this, this concept of, of a heart in submission to the Word in several of these verses. In verse 129, the first one, again, I said this is a word that kind of starts off, you know, this is an acrostic, and it starts with the letter pay, which is for this word wonderful, which is payaloped in Hebrew. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps wonderful. This word is basically they are they're under their uh, indescribable, kind of like the song we just sang, unfathomable, 
hard to understand. Your, your word, your testimonies, your laws, God, your instructions for me are incredible. They're, they're too much for me. And that's the beginning of our heart, beginning to submit to him, seeing them as incredible. Verse 131, maybe there's more water here. Verse 131 says, I open my mouth and pant. Good illustration, right? That's a good timing. Um, can't breathe here. Some, sometimes God is uh, illustrating these things for me in the moment. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. This word pant in the Hebrew, this is a word that would be used of a woman uh, groaning in childbirth. Now, I've, I've seen it, haven't been there, though, right? And I haven't, I haven't experienced it. I haven't grown like that. I have been thirsty. I've known what it's like to long and pant for refreshment or long and pant for completion. This is also a, a word that's, that's used for animal groaning or, or panting for water. It's, it's this deep desire. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commands. Do you long for his word or do you, again, see it as a burden? See it as an as an imposition. See it as some authority that doesn't really care about you, doesn't really love you, is trying to make your heart, your life difficult. Or you see how it's gracious and that he wants to give you life. But those are two different attitudes towards the scripture, towards God's word. And then in verse 132, turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. Be gracious to me. This is the uh, word Hanan, which is, we get the word Hannah or the or Johan or John, John it's, it's a word that just means grace, just gift. It's, it's something freely given. That's something, again, that we talk about again and again. We did that last week. We've got to trust God's grace, that God is gracious to us, that we don't achieve a status before God because of what we've done. And we don't lose that status forever because of what we've done, but He's willing to forgive our sins. He's willing to give us Christ's righteousness. The two sides of the gospel that Christ took our sin upon himself. And then Christ's perfect righteousness, his perfection is then imputed to us, given to us, is, is what both kinds of people need to hear, right? There's some of us that can't get over our sin and what we've done. Well, the cross will be done to prepare There's some of us that can't get over how good we are. Well, you, you still need Christ's righteousness. You're not good enough. And both sides of the gospel address that. We need our sins to be forgiven, and we need an alien righteousness because we cannot come up with a righteousness of our own. We cannot glorify God on our own, but we need His graciousness. We need Him to give us what He has from the outside. I have a picture here of this attitude of a heart submitted to God. This is how you should see God's Word. Any of you wake up in the morning just hungering for God's Word like that? This is a dessert here for those of you that can't see in the back. Some sort of strawberry delight with sweet stuff and things there. Um, just, it, it should make your mouth water, right? This wasn't as hard on the early service, but this is probably a little harder for you guys right now if you are preparing for lunch. And if that doesn't appeal to you, if that doesn't look delicious, how about this one? <laughs> this is more my speed right here. And during the pool yesterday, the ice cream man came, and I was like, I don't really want ice cream, but I would love a steak. <laughs> We, we should see God's word like that, right? We should, we should be longing for it, panting for it. See it as good. See it as delightful. See it as, as wonderful, as delicious. That's a heart that's, that's submitted to God's word. A heart that sees God as good. That sees his word, his instructions as something 
that we need. So, so what's the first step? The first step is just to be amazed. Like the song says, indescribable, uncontainable. That song is about God, but God's Word also fits that. God is amazing. God's Word is amazing. God is wonderful. His Word, His instructions for us are wonderful as well. Because He's wonderful. It's rooted in who He is. It's not, it's not a worship of the Bible. It's a worship of God and a submission to Him and His instructions for us. His care for us. Also, we should be hungry. We, sh- we should pant for it. We should long for it. And just as that panting word can be used of, of an animal groaning, there's another word in Scripture that talks about meditating on God's Word as an animal groaning over God's Word. In Psalm 1.1 it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And then this is, this is what he does. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. You meditate on God's law, his word. Again, it's not just the Ten Commandments. This is all that God says. His word, his Bible, the instructions that he's given to us. You meditate on the day and night. And we've talked about this in here before. But meditate doesn't mean just run it over in the brain. This, this word literally means to groan. It is an animal sound. This word, if you look up in Hebrew, you find another place in Scripture as a cooing of a dove and the purring of a cat, the groaning of a bear. That's what this word means. Meditate on it day and night. You, you groan over his word. You pant for it. You long for it. You, you see it as the thing that you need in your life. And then finally, does it lead you to worship? Does it lead you to worship God? Because if it doesn't, you're reading it wrongly. And I want to tell you that, that many of you have been taught, you've been in churches that have taught you to read it wrongly, that have taught, taught you to, to see it as a book about you, as a book of just instructions, instead of a book of grace about God's goodness to us. But this book is primarily about God and what He has done for us. It's a book of graciousness. It's a book that tells us the story of a God who gave Himself for us. There's a great video I would encourage you to go to the Gospel Coalition website, the Gospel Coalition. There's a great video, a full three-minute video on that about, about the Bible not being just about us, but it being about Jesus and what He has done for us. I don't know if you'll look that up. It's been posted in the last few days. You can probably find it pretty easily on gospelcoalition.org. But reading God's Word should lead us to worship. It should lead us to saying, God, You are good. You are good to me. You are gracious. You are wonderful. And that should be the result of, of God's Word uh, in our life. The next thing that we should do is, is submit our mind. Oh, back up. Submit your mind. Uh, one of the things that we need to understand, once we understand that God is gracious and He is good to us, we're, we're beginning to submit our heart to Him, then we need to purposely begin training our mind, rebuilding how we think. And there's a real danger uh, in a rational kind of scientific society that we would think somehow our brain is unaffected by sin. I don't know if you ever think this way, but sometimes you think that sin is, is something you indulge in kind of just only in the heart part of you. And, you know, it's just something you do out of the will or, or maybe something you do with your body. But that your mind is basically rational. A lot of you think that probably. A lot of us are deceived and think we're just rational people and our mind is free. From sin. But the scripture communicates to us that our, that our mind is clouded by sin. Thomas Aquinas uh, taught things like this in, in the medieval period. He was a famous theologian. And he used to lean towards this, this idea that, that somehow you could kind of reason your way to God. 
Now, now, reasoning your way to God is a good skill. Again, you should submit your mind. You should use your reason. You should study. You should learn who God is. You should understand the evidences for the truth of Christianity. You should understand the, the reality that there's great scientific evidence for the resurrection. You should engage in that. But be careful of thinking that your mind is enough, right? And that your mind is clean and clear. You can just reason your, your way there. There's a, there's a cloudiness that has come over us. And that's this picture I have here of Uncle Andrew. He's the creepy dude on the right there, okay? Uncle Andrew is a creepy dude in a story called The Magician's Nephew. And he is the magician. And it's this C.S. Lewis story. It's a part of the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, all those books. In this story, there's this picture painted of this Uncle Andrew who has submitted his heart to untruth and suppress the truth about who God is. And he gives us a picture of what Romans 1 talks about. In Romans 1, it says we, we harden our hearts, we suppress the truth, we don't want to face who God is as creator. And then what begins to happen is, is we can't even really think straight anymore. If you've, if you've not submitted your heart to God for a long time, it begins to cloud your mind more and more so that you begin to only see things that are not true. You can't even see the truth anymore about the world. There's a scene in the book where the, the kind of the God character or the Christ figure in the book is this, is this magical lion. He is creating a world, and they get to just watch him create the world. And he does it by singing. And it's this beautiful song that he sings, and the creation springs up out of the song, out of the words of his mouth. But Uncle Andrew, because he suppressed the truth for so long, all he can hear is this terrible growling. All I can see is something ugly. His, his senses, his faculties do not even work any longer. And the Bible says that's, that's what happens to us. All we see any longer in the world is, is pain. All we can see is brokenness. It, it's there. Don't get me wrong. We, we all live in the middle. We all live in the middle of this pain. But there comes a, a place where that's all we can see. And our mind is, is not given over to untruth. And, and that's the picture reality is painted in that story. So while some people see the lion singing, and it's beautiful, and they can put together the words and the arrangements of his voice, the other person, all he hears is growling. All he hears, all he hears is, is something horrible and frightening. And I want to challenge you that, that as you begin to submit your, your heart to God and to his word, then that will enable you to submit your mind. To begin to rebuild your mind and be able to see things as they really are. To be able to see the universe as it is, this, this mix of both, both beauty and brokenness, right? Because in the world, there's, there's all this wonder. There's, there's all these amazing things that we see, and those amazing things should, should lead us to worship. But we, we have a hard time making sense of all those things, ordering that together. Yes, the world is broken, but it's also glorious. How, how do you put those things together? Well, only the scriptures rightly puts those things together. Only the scripture makes sense of reality as it is. There's this verse in Proverbs uh, 1 7 that says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. You have to, you have to submit yourself to God to be able to understand anything, have any understanding. But if you do not do that, then you become a fool, unable to see the world as it really is. In, in this psalm, Psalm 119, verse 130, it says, The unfolding of your word gives life, it imparts understanding to the simple. Christians for centuries have said that God's word is like a lamp, right? It, it lights our path. It shows us what is there. It allows us to see things clearly. 
If, if you're in a room and the light is off, you can't really distinguish things. You turn the light on so that you can see. And that's what Scripture does. It becomes a lens by which we read the world, by which we see reality and understand uh, what really is in the world. In verse 135, it says, Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. God, shine on me. Give me light. Help me to see clearly and understand what, what is really true. As, as we do this in our Christian life, as we rearrange truth, as we submit our mind and, and try to learn about reality and, and understand what God says about the world, Romans 12, 1 and 2 is a great verse to understand that by. In Romans 12, 1, you've got this idea where he says to, because of the mercies of God, submit your lives as living sacrifices. And the verse says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so what Paul is doing in Romans 12 is, is after 11 chapters of explaining how gracious God really is, how good he is, what the gospel really means, he spends 11 chapters of this book. This is like his magnum opus, explaining how good God is. Then in chapter 12, he says, therefore, because God is good, submit your lives to him. Give your lives as a living act of worship to God. And then he says in verse 2, there's this ongoing process that needs to happen. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what Paul paints here is a picture of, because of all these 11 chapters of this book of Romans, because of how good and how gracious God really is, then give yourself to worship to Him. And begin renewing your mind and no longer being conformed to the pattern of this world. But instead of following that pattern of, of how we see everything, begin to to re-envision, begin to relearn reality, begin to see the world new. How many of you, when you first became a Christian, you thought that, that everything would just kind of be bang over in your life, right? Like, maybe in a negative way, I, I really meant in a positive way, I just thought about how that sounded, but you thought like all your, all your sin and all your struggles would be over. How many of you thought, I'll, I'll become a Christian and I'll just, I'll live this new life? Because you probably heard those testimonies from people. You may have heard someone share a story about, I mean, last week I was a drug dealer and I used to shoot people and then I met Jesus. And uh, now I'm here and I'm preaching. Okay. I mean, have you ever heard those kind of stories? I heard a lot of those stories when I was a kid, and I think that paints kind of an unrealistic picture of how the spiritual life works. I think God can definitely work in that way in people's lives. But I think the normal way that God works in people's lives is this process. This process of renewal. And I think even those people that make these dramatic jumps and just put away old habits, old sins dramatically, there's still more work to be done in their life. You know, drugs wasn't the only problem in their life. We have a whole we have a whole network of things that need to be rebuilt in who we are. And so the process is the renewing of our mind, the understanding who God is, understanding what He says about us, studying His words, submitting our mind to the reality that it is, submitting our mind to who God. Is. And because Bible churches are middle name, we talk about that a lot here at the church. We encourage people to study the Bible. We invest a lot in, in the teaching of the Bible. I mean, most of our church kind of centers around the Sunday morning where we sing biblical words to each other, and then we preach and teach and understand the Bible together. And that's, that's a focal point of our life together as a church. And then we have home Bible studies that meet as well. Most of those uh, home groups, they're built around living out the commands of Scripture. How do we confess our sins to each other? How do we pray for each other? How do we love one another? In most of those groups, we actually open Bibles and study them as well. 
Sometimes they'll be more focused on just talking about particular practices and living those out. But they're always a fleshing out of biblical truth. And I'm encouraging you to engage in that. Engage at a deeper level. Don't just listen to the word uh, preached and don't just sing God's word, but also study it. Study it in groups where you can interact and talk and ask questions. Study it on your own. I have a couple here that I want to encourage you to look into. A couple of study Bibles. You know, a lot of times you read the Bible and you're like, I, I just don't know what that means, right? And you read a verse and it just does not make any sense. There's an ESV study Bible and an NIV study Bible. Both these are very good study Bibles. You can look at these after the service. We have a couple of them in the nursery bookshelf in that, that uh, nursery welcome area as well. We'll look through these. There's a lot of other study Bibles you can invest in. There's websites, like I said, the Gospel Coalition, places where you can go and find uh, material that can help you to grow in your understanding of God's Word. That's something we've promoted a lot. It's the Daily Bible. It's something that my family has read a lot of years together. It's basically a Bible that takes uh, the NIV text and then it rearranges it so that it's in chronological order. Uh, so the first five books of the Bible are already kind of in chronological order, but the rest of the Bible is somewhat mixed up according to style of literature. You know, we, we have it separated more like the history section, the poetry section. So this daily Bible rearranges that so it happens as, as history unfolds and helps you get kind of a, a sense of the broad sweep of Scripture. But take advantage of those different ways that you can read and understand God's Word and understand what it means. A quiet time is a practice that we encourage people to engage in. In the morning or at night or maybe at lunch or some time where you can have some time alone. Jesus talks about this prayer closet, right? Have some time alone to just concentrate, to talk to God, to, to listen to Him through His Word, to, to read and understand. Um, it, this is, these are all important pieces to help us again renew our mind, to rebuild and submit our mind to the truth of who God is. And I encourage you to, to sing biblical songs. You know, play songs in, in your car, listen to radio stations that uh, to speak biblical truth. And just because it's a Christian radio station doesn't necessarily mean they're biblical. Test it. You know? Look them up. If they talk about something, test it. See if that's right. If that's true. But begin to grow in your understanding and submitting your mind uh, to the Word. The last one is Scripture memory that I want to talk about. Uh, we saw that, that verse uh, earlier on, on uh, meditation not really being just running it over in your mind. Right? Psalm 1 is this more this groaning that takes place. I encourage you to, to memorize scripture and, and say it to yourself, mutter it to yourself. That'd be a good translation for meditation, is, is muttering, you know, like like just some crazy person driving down the highway talking to yourself. You know, you can get a, a verse of scripture and just kind of say it over to yourself. You want to be careful about that, right? Because that can damage your reputation if you're too crazy, too weird about these kinds of things. Uh, but begin learning it and soaking it into your life. And, and that, that begins to make a difference in your life. And that's really brings us to our last point, submitting our lifestyle to God's Word. We need to submit our lifestyle and how we actually live. It's got to filter its way out into a different way of living. Scripture memory is a good key to help us get there. In verse 133, he says, Keep steady my steps according to your promise. Let no iniquity be dominion of Iniquity is where sin is basically saying, Don't allow sin to get mastery over me, be a, a king over me. He says verse 134, redeem me from man's oppression that I may keep your precepts. So sometimes it's internal, right? Sometimes the sin is within me. Don't let sin in my own life get dominion over me. Sometimes it's external. Let no oppression from man. Many of us have been oppressed. We've had uh, unfair, unjust leaders, right? We've had people 
in our family or people in other places of power and authority do evil things against us. And what the psalmist is saying, what we should pray is, God, don't allow those things to oppress me. Help me to be free from those. Help me to relearn the way life should be and understand who you are and what you say about me. So the ways that I've been sinned against and the ways that I've sinned myself don't become ruts that I walk in every day. Help me to transform my lifestyle. Help me to submit my lifestyle to you, Lord. Help me to live differently. I think this uh, comes down to habits a lot of times, right? What are, what are your daily habits? How, how do you transform those? How do you allow God to renew your lifestyle? I think scripture memory is a key part of this. Scripture memory, hiding it in your heart, will begin to allow you to see the world differently and to, to live differently. And the Holy Spirit will begin to raise those things up to mind when you're in the heat of the moment, when you are tempted, when you are struggling with something. Psalm 119 says, How can a young man keep his way clear? Psalm 199, excuse me, way back to the other side of this chapter of the part of Bible. Psalm 199 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. So it's one of the ways to purity, one of the ways to living differently, is that we would actually guard our life, we would actually on purpose live differently according to God's word. He says in verse 10, with my whole heart I see you. Let me not wander from your commands. Again, don't stray. God, please protect my steps. How I actually live, how I actually walk through life. Help me to live differently. Don't let me wander away from what you say, but let me walk in accordance to your promises. Verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This great children's ministry called Awana, and in this, in this ministry, this is a very important verse. You'll hear people quote this quite a lot. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In Awana, you basically uh, bribe kids with candy and games, and you just, you just cram God's word into them. You're just, you're just packing it in. You're just teaching them God's word, and you're storing it up into their heart. And, and that's that's a good thing. Even if they don't understand it when they're younger, they begin to understand it as God opens their eyes to his graciousness and his goodness. They begin to understand it in context. God calls it to mind, helps them to live differently as they mature, as they grow. Much of the same way as we saw in, in the life of Jesus and the disciples where he was training them for three years and they didn't get it, and they didn't get it, and they didn't get it, and he kept teaching them, and he kept teaching them, and when he sent the Holy Spirit, when he was raised from the dead, finally they got it. And all this content that had been packed in there that didn't really work properly now began to work. And they were on fire. We didn't understand what he had taught them. And the same thing can happen in the life of our kids. So, so teach your kids God's word. Teach yourself God's word. And then pray, God, help me to understand it. Help me to make sense of it. Help me to use it. Help me to, to uh, take my steps according to your word. Keep setting my steps according to your promise. I think there's two. There's kind of two paths that we break off on. I, I talk about this a lot, but I think it's just a helpful way, and I think it's a helpful way of understanding. There's the non-religious path that we go off on, right? This is a path of just rejecting God's word altogether and, and indulging, indulging in, in addictions and passions, living a, a sexual lifestyle that doesn't agree with what the scripture says, thinking that in that we will find satisfaction, that our loneliness will be solved. And sometimes it takes coming to the end of that to a place of brokenness before you realize, okay, God is good. He is waiting for me. He loves me. Just like in the story of the body of the Son, we come to our senses and realize He was there all along. He loved us all along. We can come back to Him. 
that there's no sin uh, that is too sinful for God to take care of. So whatever, whatever your lifestyle, whatever way you stray off the path, whether it's through chemical addictions or, or sexual addictions or through the ways that you stray off the path of what God says is the right way to live, God says you can return to Him and He can begin renewing your mind and teaching you how to live. He can actually transform your lifestyle. I think on the other side, we have to be careful those of us that are more religious. We can become addicted to things that look good in society. And in the same way, they can take us off path, right? We can become addicted to success, having the perfect family, looking great on the outside, but really being decayed and broken on the inside. We have to begin uh, rebuilding our lives according to God's word, submitting our lifestyle to what he says. So we live a, a fully art, fully orb, kind of fully balanced Christian life. So that we don't just look like what Christian culture says we should look like. But we look like what God says we should look like. And we need to be careful not to not to stray off on the path of, of religiosity where we, we impress our Christian friends, but God is not impressed. We have to submit our lives to Him, to what He tells us to do. And then there's this final verse when it comes to submitting our lifestyle, this final verse of this section in verse 136. He says, My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. And I think this is a great picture of what our attitude should be towards um, wrong lifestyles in the world. Because we live in a world where people all over the place are not living according to God's word. And instead of being judgmental, instead of attacking, God gives us a picture of someone who is brokenhearted over that. I have a picture here, and those of you that are older might think this is a little crazy, but Anybody remember the crying uh, Indian guy from the commercial in the 70s? There's this anti-littering campaign, um, and it's, it's kind of become like a cult classic in some ways. But, but you've got this Native American that comes up in this canoe, and he's walking up the side of the hill, and there's a highway nearby, and someone throws trash out, and you see this, this tear come down his face. It's really melodramatic, and some people think it's kind of corny. But I, it was the best thing I could think of to, to remind me of the image that we should have a sin in the world. Because I think they realize in the commercial there, there's two different ways that they could attack this problem, right? They could just have a commercial that had a guy like pointing at everybody and saying, you're a bunch of idiots because you live it, right? I mean, that's one way to go after it. But, but another way is to see this guy's brokenheartedness over it, to see him mourning. And that's really more of the, the scriptural attitude that we should have, just as Jesus wept over Jerusalem. We should be brokenhearted over people not submitting their life to Christ. We should be brokenhearted over people hurting themselves. Because again, it's not about God being this arbitrary uh, ogre that's just trying to make your life miserable, right? He's not trying to hurt you. He's given us His word because He loves us. Again, we have to understand that we are sons, that we are daughters, that He loves us, that He cares for us, and He's given us some good instructions for, for our own good. Well, as we wrap up, I want to think again about that guy trying to choke Because a lot of you may be in a, in a position, again, as I said before, you may see God's word as, as just something painful, as something that, that is squeezing you, that is squeezing the life out of you, it's difficult. Or you may be in a place of shame where, where you don't know how to get out of it, you don't know how to escape. And I want to encourage you to, to think of the image from Luke 15 that was on last week. 
Last week we looked at Luke 15, we looked at the story of how the two brothers were showed this image of his father that ran out to embrace his son, that loved his son, even despite all of the sin and all of the shame. That even ran out and went after the judgmental older brother and loved him as well and invited him into the party. But that day when I was stuck, I didn't I didn't know how to get out of that hole. I didn't know how to how to tap out. I didn't know how to escape. Thankfully, the guy just let go. I guess he saw that I was about to die and thought, I guess I shouldn't kill my pastor and uh, set me free. You, you may be stuck there like I was, not, not knowing how to tap out, not knowing what the way of escape is. I encourage you to submit to God's word, to see him as gracious, to know and trust that he's good. He's not, he's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to rip your, your head off. Again, like that other image I said, submit to him. Just like, just like my puppy rolls over and submits to me. So scratch my belly. See, God is good. He wants to delight in you. He wants you to delight in him. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would allow us to, to learn from it. And Lord, we, we pray that you help us to see it rightly. That as we read and study, we would be amazed how wonderful you are. It's your grace to us. And it's your gospel, the good news that you gave yourself for us. You lived the perfect life that could live, the life of righteousness. Live a life according to your law. And then you died an innocent death. Take our sin upon you. Lord, help us to live free. And to freely submit to you in the life of Jesus And this song is kind of unique because it has these, uh, we've talked about this before, but specific references to ways that you can outwardly worship him. I just encourage you if you feel like raising your hands or, or bowing your head when we say that as well, just uh, use that as a chance to display to God that this is me worshiping you outwardly as well. So let's sing together. Yeah. 